Angela Yee and Charlemagne the God. The, the Breakfast Club, bitches. The voice of the culture. People watch The Breakfast Club for like news and really be tuned in. It's one of my favorite shows to do. Just because y'all always keep it 100, y'all keep it real. They might not watch the news, but they're on Twitter. They're on Facebook. They're, you know, they're listening to The Breakfast, the Breakfast Club. Get your ass up. Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MB. Charlemagne, your mic sounds like trash. My mic sounds like trash? Yes. What's wrong with my mic? Sounds like you're about 30 feet away and you're underwater. I sound like I'm about 30 feet away. And he's underwater. He's unplugging his mic. We got technical difficulties. If you don't know, you should know by now we're broadcasting from our own houses. Charlemagne is in his crib. You know, he's in hers and I'm in mine. And every once in a while, I don't know what it is with Charlemagne's, but it's, sometimes it, it's he has a little technical difficulty. You got to unplug and plug it back in. But good morning, everybody. How are you? Yesterday, I'm how was you well. yesterday? Yesterday was the first uh, day I went to the office in 12 weeks. Was the was first good. day I, I went to the office. Uh, I mean, I only work with three other people in my office, four other people in my office. It was, uh, it's me, Fernando, Caesar, and our secretaries. Um, they have been in the office in and out. Uh, I haven't because I'm the one that goes and gets the food and, and gets the food for my family, my mom and and me. And I just didn't want to get it, give it to them if I did have the coronavirus. Uh, I know, especially with Caesar, I don't know his, his immune system. So I was like, let me stay away. But yesterday I had to go to the office. That was my first day back to the office. What about you, Yeezy? Yesterday, uh, well, I want to commend somebody, Brianna Johnson. She is from Brooklyn, and mm-hmm. she actually, I'm part of this Hamilton committee. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda went to my college, Wesleyan University. So every year they do this Hamilton Prize now. Mm-hmm. And whoever wins gets four-year full tuition scholarship to Wesleyan. Mm-hmm. So Brianna Johnson is the person they announced as the winner. And she was the person I had as my first choice as well. So I want to congratulate her. She's getting a four-year full tuition nice. scholarship to Wesleyan University. She actually did an album mixtape mm-hmm. called Dreams to Reality, These Chains and Damages, Damages of Duality. She wrote these songs in eighth and ninth grade. She was struggling to adjust to a predominantly white school. She was one of the only black students in her classes. And it was around the same time that the shooting of Michael Brown happened. And mm-hmm. That's basically what she was talking about in her entry. So I thought it was very powerful. So I want to congratulate her. That's a big deal. Four-year full tuition. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny that you said that. Um, of course, if you have a senior in high school, they have to write, you know, certain essays to colleges. And my daughter wrote an essay similar to that, just being the only uh, African-American in a class, black in a class, and explaining how that, how that felt. And when everything was going on in the world, whether it was Donald Trump, whether it's the shootings, how how she felt like an outsider and nobody to talk to and it felt like people were looking at her she had to write a previous essay and you know um it's a serious thing you know it, it's a serious yeah. serious thing and a lot of people don't understand how how that would make their child feel you know sometimes you feel like you know you're making a little money you want to put your child in in a, in a you think a better uh, a school district and when they're in their school district they feel lonely by themselves because nobody looks like them so it, that has a lot to do with with how they talk, how they speak, how they raise, how they move. So that is a big, big thing. I know even for myself, I went to Catholic Listen, school. Listen, that I, happened to me. Yeah, I went to I went, Poly Prep. I went to... I went to uh, uh, mm-hmm. 
I went to St. Francis Prep in Queens, but I lived in Queens Village in, in Shadyville is what, you know, what we call it. So it wasn't as bad because even though I went there, I still had to go back through Jamaica Avenue. I still had to go home and I had my friends at home. So it was different for my kids and, and a lot of other people's kids. They don't have that. So congratulations to her, man. I'm so happy for her. Yeah. Man, four years. I was saying when, when I was younger, I went to school. First of all, I'm from Flatbush in Brooklyn. And, you know, that's a black neighborhood, a lot of West mm -hmm. Indians. And and by the way, excited for that Buju and, and I mean not Buju, a bounty killer and Beanie Man versus is happening on Saturday. You but, know, I was pushing Buju and Beanie, but hey, I'll take Beanie and I know I, I thought about that too because I actually had said on a, a Zoom before that's a battle I would have liked to see. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I was I grew up and I went to school. I didn't even know any white people except for my teachers. And then in seventh grade, I went to a predominantly white school, Poly Prep in Brooklyn, and I felt so out of place. And so mm -hmm. I stayed there for three years. All right. Man, Shalom, are you back with us? School. I think so. Am I sound better? No, now you sound nope. like Sounds now worse. you sound like your volume is at two. Well, why would we do this All right. before the show? Don't nobody say this. But as soon as the show starts, then the mic sounds terrible. You gotta talk to you. Oh, it sounds mercy. better now. Yeah, it's, it's getting there. Sounds it's getting better. there. I don't know. I All right, now, now, now it's working. Now you sound good. I think they put your volume I mean, up. I think that oh, was yeah, on they our put end. The value up. You dumbasses in the goddamn studio. Love y'all, but Jesus Christ. Well, Bakari Sellers will be joining us this morning. My guy, Bakari Sellers, he's got a new book out. Uh, his first book, actually, My Vanishing Country. Mm -hmm. It came out uh, Tuesday. Yes. And it's, you know, just about him growing up in South Carolina uh, when he ran for lieutenant governor. Talks a lot about him and his father. Him and his father, Cleveland Sellers, man. Cleveland Sellers was uh, a radical from South Carolina was shot in the Orangeburg Massacre. So it's a great, great story. All okay. South Carolina stories must be told. That's my guy right there. All right. Bakari Sellers will be joining us next hour. We got front page news. What are we talking about, Yee? Man, this is unfortunate, but a shooting that happened in Glendale, Arizona. All right. We'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Let's get in some front page news. Where we starting, Yee? Well, NBA teams, they're expecting guidelines for how players will be getting back to work on June 1st. So that's when they expect the league will call back players who have left their home markets and also that same day uh, to represent a point in which they can also ratchet up the intensity for workouts for players who already are going to team facilities. So you can look forward to either Orlando, Florida, Disney World, or Las Vegas. Those are proposed cities for a return for players to be able to play their games in the future. So did you say right. June 1st they're going to have the meeting or June 1st they're going to start back playing? They're not playing games, but we're talking about ratcheting up the way that they work out for players that are already working out and for other players to be called back to come and work out. I see gotcha. they had NASCAR yesterday. They had NASCAR cup race yesterday. So, I mean, they're opening things back up. they like, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. All right, Armando Jr. Hernandez, he went to Snapchat, and they're saying that he posted, and it's hard to look at and, and watch this, but it was a video that was shared on social media, and he is the man who gunned down three people in Glendale, Arizona, at the Westgate Mall. So, now, fortunately, at this point, nobody was killed. Three people were shot. Two are expected to survive, and one person was taken to a hospital in critical condition. But the police did respond to an active shooter situation at the Westgate Entertainment District Shopping Center. And he has been identified by his mother as Armando Jr. Hernandez. He was taken into custody. He's 20 years old, 
and he attended Raymond Kellis High School. So mm. right now that video is very disturbing, but he was showing himself pulling up in his car, saying that he was going to do this shooting. He puts on a camo face mask, mm -hmm. and then you see him with the gun firing off the rounds, and you even see one woman who was shot lying down, possibly injured, and he mm. says, society is bullish. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's yet another reason to stay quarantined. And how old okay. is that young man? <laughs> 20. Mm. That's, and that, right that's now they do reason. not have a motive. That, that's another reason to say... Stay socially distanced away from crowds. Yeah. I just don't yeah, understand I, people like that. People I was like thinking that, the same that, thing. That, if you feel like society is BS and, you know, I, I would rather you, you know, go get help and sit down with a therapist or psychiatrist. But if you feel like society is BS and you want to hurt somebody, start with yourself. Okay? Yeah, why you got to take out innocent people? You know, like, you know, you don't want to be here no more. That's on you. But you know, oh. don't go, don't go, don't go putting that hurt on other people. That's why you oh. got. That's why I would say hurt people, hurt people, and they need to sit down and talk to somebody. Or oh, if you want to fight so bad, you want to shoot people so bad. Why don't you join the military? You could join the military join, that way. People can shoot military. back. Like you, that you, aggression. You shooting people that that are laying on the floor begging for their lives. Like how does that make like that can't make you feel good? Go join the military. Yeah. Go focus that aggression somewhere uh, positive. Yeah. All right. All right. The last front page news. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up right now. 800-585-1051. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Let's go. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hello, who's this? What's up, Harry? Hey, what's up, Trav? Trav! What's up, boo? What's up, boo? <laughs> what's going on, Charlemagne? Peace, sis. What's happening? Uh, chilling, chilling. Hey, guys. Hey, Blonde Beauty. Hey, Blonde Hi, Beauty. Hi, Blonde Beauty. Hey. Let's Hi, black and Good. Yeah, we just called in to say that um, Beauty did a wide quest challenge, and yesterday wide quest posted it up. Yes. Um, so that wow. one approves bonds for Blind Beauty. That's now dope. Now need people to go to Y Clef's page and just view the video. It's the most recent video he posted. So just go and view the video so she can win. And Let me go Yee. look. I'm going right now. Um, so I wanted to ask Yee, uh, if I were to win the money, like, would you be, like, willing to partner with me to find, like, a legible charity? Like... I did the challenge around domestic violence, and of course he's doing it for Ahmad, rest in peace. So I wanted to donate his, you know, the money, because for me it was just for him to be able to see, you know, what I was able to do, and the money I don't really care about. That's dope. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I, mean, I could use a big screen TV, but she don't want to listen to me, so she's going to donate it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, listen. listen she's going so, she to make millions more anyway, so that's what you do. You pay it for it. That's dope. Amazing. Hey, I love Trav, you and Blind Beauty work together? They live with yeah, each other. Yeah, we do. This is my boo. This, I mean, I kind of like manager. Was she Biggie and you Puffy? Don't. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, you can say that. <laughs> okay. Well, today's Biggie's right, birthday, right, too, right. by the way. So, happy birthday, B.I.G. Oh, Envy, before I let you go, you cool with Fetty Wap, right? Like, are y'all, like, like, cool? We cool, yeah. Wap. What's up? So, Be Beauty did something. I got, okay, okay, that email you gave me, can I send you something to that email? Sure. Boom. Say less. Also, okay, boom. Say less. Follow me on the gram. Let's go. Envy? Yes, ma'am. 
Yeah, thank honestly, thank y'all so much. Like y'all the true. Even though Charlamagne right. be trying to be funny, but I love him down. Oh God. <laughs> right, thank I'm you, Blonde Beauty. Y'all have a good one. Hello, who's this? Hello. Hello. Hey, come on, man. What's up? What's up, bro? Get it off your chest. All right, so I have more so of a question for everybody. So my homegirl, see the situation. So she started messing with her baby father's friend. So I told her, you feel me? It was supposed to be something casual. Mm-mm-mm. And then it's feeling kind of touch. And then, you feel me? I said I didn't feel as though she was more so in the wrong way. Feelings got in touch. You feel me? You know, females feel different than guys. But I said he was more wrong because he be sitting in the baby father face all the time. You feel me? He be brawling him up, hanging him up. And I didn't, I, I, that's why I feel like he's more worse. He yeah, agree, disagree. Did he even explain what the hell he's talking about? I don't know. He tried to. I, I, I kind of zoned <laughs> him out, man. Well, she I, nah, nah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, bro. Go ahead, ye. No, I'm just saying, she shouldn't have been messing with her baby father's friend anyway. That's messy. I mean, that's obvious. But thank you for calling, bro. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Wake up, wake up. Wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Yo, it's Travi out of North Carolina. How are you, bro? What's up, bro? Get it off your chest, man. All right. So, first of all, I just want to appreciate y'all for the for what you do. Every morning keeps me going. I love listening to y'all while I'm working. I work for FedEx, mm-hmm. and I make a lot of deliveries out here in Lexington, North Carolina. And I just got to get it off my chest about this one guy who told me to back on his damn driveway, and it wasn't even his house that I was delivering to. Mm-mm. So, first of all, the guy said, or I pull into the driveway, he goes, yo, who are you looking for? And I got a step truck. I don't know if you know what that is, but you can walk in and out of it very easily. Mm-hmm. And he just steps into my truck and was like, who are you looking for? And I'm like, bro, you can't step in my truck. You got to back up or back out. So at that point, he says, well, back out of my damn driveway then. It wasn't even his house that I was delivering to. <laughs> and What's wrong with people? Yes. What? People been getting real... I don't even know if he's in here. I'm right here. Huge jar of Kraft mayonnaise colonizer-looking human specimen. And I'm going to just start calling colonizers from now on because bro had no right to step in my truck. He said he was going to call the police. So I was like, I'll do you one further. I called him, and I waited, and I waited, Mm. and they got there, and they do whatever. I can't hear so... Nothing. Yeah, Ish. they did nothing. So yeah, you know, I've been seeing you guys been getting people been getting frisky with you guys the last couple of days, man. I don't know what's wrong with people. I, I like my UPS guy, my FedEx guy, my post office guy, my Amazon people. Like, what's wrong? They delivering packages. They doing their job. They out here delivering ish during this quarantine. Show them a little bit of respect. And we should be grateful exactly. for that when we waiting and for I'm, our packages. It's the customers like y'all that appreciate us that makes it even better because it's not like we delivering. A little bit of things. Everybody's ordering stuff, and I appreciate like the business. I'm, I'm grateful to have a job, so I'm not yeah. complaining about the work. It's just the people I got to interact with, and they right, love. Don't be nasty. Exactly. Ain't no reason to be no nasty. No point. Never the point stuff. of that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And it was just another you, you, same day. Another lady was waiting uh, on medicine for her husband's foot that mm. that might fall off for like days. And I felt wow. so bad, yo. I could have cried. I was like, yo, man, I feel so bad for you. I'm sorry. You know, we're I, doing I, everything we can. 
I agree with uh, everything that you're saying. I don't think that y'all should be going through that, but you, you can't take things personal at a time like this because this is a very stressful time for a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people mm-hmm. might yeah. have gotten laid off. Might have people, a lot of people might have gotten furloughed. A lot of people might be grieving. You know what I mean? Like a yeah. lot of anxiety is high right now. Depression is high. So you can't yeah. take none of that personal when people got an attitude. Nah, man. they can't take it out on the people yeah. that's just trying to do their job. They ain't doing right. nothing but trying to do their job. Feed yeah, but their it, happens. Families, man. it happens is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Hurt people hurt people. It's a lot of hurt people well, uh, at, at a time like this. That calling well, he's calling a vet. He just want to vet about it. Yeah, he's calling a vet. I'm just giving another perspective, guys. And oh, so, thank, and thank you for calling, man. We appreciate you. And Dramos, do me a favor. Drop a bomb for Angela Yee. I'm so happy. Angela Yee hasn't had a package delivered in my house in at least 14 weeks, man. I know. And, I haven't and, been ordering things. Thank God. I'm thankful and grateful. There ain't no packages coming in. I'm like, all right. You, you ain't shopping yet. Well, yeah, I haven't. But yeah. when we get back to it, baby, See, trust that. and believe. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up. Now, we got rumors on the way? Yes, and listen, there's still some fallout from this whole fire festival. I know you all have seen those documentaries by now fire on festival. Netflix and on Hulu, but that disastrous fire festival, and now Kendall Jenner has had to pay up. Yeah, people, well, we'll talk about it. They shouldn't have to pay no damn money back. But anyway, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. Yes, Candy Burris, it has been revealed that she is the masked singer, the night angel. A lot of people had thought it might be her because, you know, they give you those clues mm-hmm. and some of the clues pointed directly at her. So here's what she had to say when she won. Yeah! I won. I won. I won. What? I did what I came here to do, and that was to be the first woman to ever win the Mass Singer. Yo, Mass Singer must come on every two months, right? It must be a new. It wasn't. They, didn't they just reveal a, the winner of Mass Singer like yesterday? No, we was in the studio, and that was like what five, yeah, six this months is season ago. Three. Man, that seemed this like it was just yesterday. Three. A long time ago, when Patty LaBelle know, was on, and her, mm-hmm. she's the first woman Wayne on? to win. Mm. Oh, yeah, so that's such a big deal. So congratulations to Candy Burris. And she is on Real Housewives of Atlanta. And you know, people keep saying that Phaedra might be returning to Real Housewives of Atlanta. Who knows? But what we do know is that she's going to be on Marriage Boot Camp Hip Hop Edition. So for all of you that mm-hmm. miss her and that have been waiting for her return to television, she will be on there. So okay. get ready for that. All right, that's going to premiere Thursday, July 2nd on WeTV. Now, Kendall Jenner has to repay some of her Firefest fee. That Fire Festival was supposed to happen in 2017. It did not go down. Now, she has to pay back $90,000, but I think the whole amount was like $270,000, $275,000 that she got paid to post about the event. And a lot of her followers thought that there would be all these models on an exotic private island, some great culinary experiences. She also hinted that her brother-in-law, Kanye West, would be performing. So because she didn't let people know that it was an ad, she now has to repay some of that money. Oh, that's so she whack. had to put uh, AD in parentheses? Yeah, that's, that's whack. Like, if she did a commercial. I seen the commercial. She did a commercial saying that there was a festival, a fire festival, and this, that, and the other. She was promoting the fire festival. She didn't say... But you, you, know, know, you know, Instagram, some of those sites make you do that, though. That's why you see, like, you'll read somebody's caption, and it'll say, like, ad in parentheses. 
Like yeah, you, uh-huh. you have I have one that. from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had, I had to, to do that a couple days ago. Yeah, but because it, it the problem you know, is that it didn't even go down, and then they said Kanye was never going to perform at the festival, and she kind of misled people. So, you know, well, I thought you said that Kanye was supposed to do a surprise performance. Look, allegedly behind the scenes, but you know, I don't know if there That's was an official fair, contract because if she knew in place. That information, and he, if he was supposed to come, and it didn't happen, you know, I'm supposed to get my money back. That's not fair. Look, and, and, and let's, and let's be clear, too. She did get to too. keep almost $200,000, guys. She didn't even and have to go. And it's not like she made up her own caption, <laughs> right? right yeah, if, 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 if her posting on her Instagram was part of the deal, trust me, they sent her what to say. That was a copy and paste. I'm almost positive somebody mm-hmm. wrote that for her. All right, Gail King has a new radio show that examines dating and relationships in the coronavirus era. She was on with Stephen Colbert and The Late Show, and they were talking about it. Here's what she had to say. It is COVID-based. What are you learning about yourself? What are you learning about other people? How have you changed? So it's every Thursday, every Thursday at 5. You know what I want the topic to be tomorrow night? I mean, yeah, Thursday night, dating in COVID or All relationships right. in COVID. I think either... People are either getting closer together or they're, they're going to rip you apart. I'm not trying to meet nobody new this goddamn to, coronavirus. She also talks about what it's like to be single while sheltering in place. Yeah, but a lot of people are home alone and they they don't want to just not meet anybody. They're still like, okay, how can I find somebody? So that is something for people to think about. Safely, of course, without having mm-hmm. to go out. And some people are saying it is a good time to meet people because there's not that pressure of having to meet up in person and that get all true. done up. So you really get to know somebody during this time. That is true. All right, an NFL be- it's player. A, it's a beautiful time mm-hmm. to catfish. The, 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 the catfish yourself. The catfish yourself nowadays. Beautiful time. Well, but you know, a lot of people are FaceTiming or they're doing little Zoom dates. So you still get to see that the person is really who it's supposed to be. And Do you really want to that- connect with somebody that you never gonna meet in this time. You, it's not that you're never like going to meet them. You just like can't what, go like out What now. fun is that? Yeah, you'll meet them, oh, but it just, it's not going to be for a little bit. You know, you, you really get to know them until this quarantine's over. Then, you know, then you can meet them. I mean, I think that's yeah, right, good. Uh, right, right around Christmas. So now you got to buy Christmas <laughs> gifts and all, <laughs> all kind of other stuff for this person you really don't know. Look, whatever people decide they want to do at this time, if they still want to continue to date, we encourage you to do it, but do it safely. Have a Zoom date. Have a FaceTime date. Get to talk on the phone to somebody. And you can meet up in person, yes, when this is all over and it's safer. And as you can see, places are starting to open up. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. All right, thank you, Miss Yee. Now, when we come back, we got front page news. What are we talking about? Yes, and we're going to talk about uh, different things that Twitter is trying to do right now to make your experience a little better. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Let's get in some front page news. Where are we starting, Yee? Well, let's start with a family in Virginia. They found nearly a million dollars in cash lying in the middle of the road. Let me tell you how amazing this family is. It seems like they always do the right thing. Emily Shantz said she was driving with her family Saturday and she ran over what she thought was bags of trash on the road. Now, if that was you, what would you do? I would, oh, I would no. keep it. Depends what I was praying for. I would keep if it. I was praying for a blessing. Bags of trash? Especially at a time like this. I would uh, money? You yes, I would keep money. It. No, they thought it was bags. Trash. They thought it was bags of trash on the road. They did not know it was money. So instead of just throwing it to the side, they actually put the bags in the back of their pickup truck because I guess they wanted to dispose of it. It wasn't until they got home that they realized that they had gotten a million dollars almost. And then after that, how did, hmm? how did they know it was a million? 
They counted it? Well, not, they knew afterward after they returned mm. the money. They actually called local deputies and told them about their discovery because they had uh, an address on it that said Cash Vault and then an address. And it turned out to be almost a million dollars, so they gave it all back. So not that- only did they take this trash from the middle of the road and take it off the road and bring it somewhere to dispose of it, they also found out it was cash and then returned it. If God was testing me, I'd have failed. I definitely would have failed. I seen that bag in the middle of the road, nobody around. I would have thought it was a gift. I would have said, somebody's blessing me today. Where did this money come from? <laughs> did they know? It was the postal service was delivering it to the bank or something like that. That's what they were saying. It was supposed to be dropped off at a bank, but it was from the postal service. They got insurance. Is there a cash reward? Did they get something? I don't know in what they got, but they said they returned it because it was the right thing to do and it didn't belong to us. You don't know it didn't belong to you. You know what I'm saying? God works in mysterious ways. You never know how God is going to bless you. Right. Okay? We don't know if you was furloughed. We don't know if you was laid off. We don't know if you got you know, medical bills you need to take care of. You might need a surgery. If you're praying for a blessing, don't you ask. You know, uh, Don't question God when you get it. Okay? But what would you have done, Charlemagne? I don't know. To be totally honest with you, I don't think I would have took it back immediately, though. I would have <laughs> sat down and thought about that one for a minute. I would have prayed again. I would have said, now, God... If this is supposed to be mine, give, give me, me a sign. sign. Give me a okay? sign. Okay? <laughs> give me a give me a sign, please. I would have returned that two hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> you would have turned that two hundred thousand. I'm with you. I might have. Yeah, I would have turned that two hundred thousand. <laughs> All right, Twitter is testing a feature that will let you decide who's allowed to reply to your tweets. I've seen this. So if you have a conversation, you can have it so that only people that are added. Men, at mention can respond or only people mm-hmm. that can that follow you can respond or you can leave it open for everybody so I think that's a good feature I like mm-hmm. that because sometimes people can be disrespectful so you can be like you know what you're not allowed to respond mm-hmm. all right now let's talk about what's opening back up uh, the Connecticut governor has outlined the next phases for reopening that state. So phase two of their reopening is slated for June 20th. More than half of California is moving further into reopening. North mm-hmm. Carolina tomorrow will allow dine-in eating. They'll also be opening up hair and nail salons, barbershops, churches, and pools. Uh, so, yes, if you're in North Carolina... You'll be able to do that starting tomorrow. Uh, Other places in Iowa, the governor announced the next wave of reopenings, which is movie theaters, zoos, aquariums, museums, and wedding reception venues tomorrow. New York will now allow religious gatherings of up to 10 people starting today. And they've also unveiled this plan to address seniors in nursing homes during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now let's talk about in Toronto, they're going to be reopening amenities like basketball courts, picnic picnic shelters in hundreds of parks, and that is going to be reopening this week. So they're saying if we are opening up the parks and we're opening up sports facilities, then there will be physical distancing rules. Also, you can't have organized sports right now, so you're not allowed to use But you can play basketball? It just can't be organized. Like it can't be like a five-on-five game. You can probably go and shoot around yourself. <laughs> they put but the money back reopening. up. People gonna be like, let's play a three on three or four on four, five on five. <laughs> they definitely you, play these stories. Whenever I hear any of these stories, I feel even worse and worse for the goddamn graduates who got to graduate virtually. Yeah. Or they can like, play they basketball. <laughs> uh, it, it makes no sense. Like it really makes no sense. You can find a way to social distance with everything else, but not a graduation. Like it's really stupid. It is. All right. Well, a lot of people are just delaying graduation, so it's not like it won't happen at all, right? Man, these people having they having virtual graduations today in play in Georgia. Mm-hmm. They having virtual graduations today. So, uh, well, anyway, 
That's just some of your updates on and what Georgia, is going that's, to be. It's definitely crazy in Georgia, especially being that Georgia been over for a, for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. They having virtual graduations for high schools? Yeah, that's, that's stupid. Why. You can't have a day party and you can't have a parties and then these uh, kids can't graduate, man. It makes no sense. Our priorities are messed up, man. What'd you say, Yee? Uh, but I would just, you feel okay with let, letting your kids go to graduation right now, too? Yeah, absolutely. They just got to keep... Okay, so you're okay did you with hear, it. Did you hear everything you I, just said? <laughs> did you I'm hear everything you just described? Like, you guys have been saying this whole time that you wouldn't want your kids going back to school right now. You wouldn't want them doing certain things. So that's why I'm asking. Just because it's open doesn't mean you're going to do it, right? That, Yo, that's but graduation, cool. they could be and that's not graduation. six feet away. Yeah, school yes, is you got to go class to class. They got to clean. This is one time thing, six feet yes. away. You know, all angles. Yeah, I, w- I would let my daughter graduate. Everybody, everybody can wear a mask. You can do it outside. Like mm-hmm. it's a lot of different ways, according to you know CDC guidelines on how to socially social distance that you could do a properly social distance graduation. Does it matter you know? how big the school is? I don't know if you do it outside. No, Some schools got football fields and tracks and all kind of other stuff they can do it on. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that is your front page news. Now, when we come back from South Carolina, Bakari Sellers will be joining us. Yes, he's got a new book out called My Vanishing Country. Um, You know, just detailing the story of a young South Carolina kid raised on a dirt road in Denmark, South Carolina, man. So uh, salute to my guy, Bakari. My Vanishing Country is out right now, and he's coming up next. All right, we'll get to that next. Don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest on the line right now, Bakari Sellers. Welcome, sir. Man, I'm glad to be back. What's going on, fam? Angela, DJ. How Envy, are you, Bakari? Bakari looks like he hasn't well, got a haircut in at least three months, boy. He got a full <laughs> He's thugging beard. it out. He's thugging it out. Yeah, he's definitely thugging it out. I'm looking like a young uh, Denzel is a young Marvin Gaye going on. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm happy for you, man. You know what I'm saying? I'm proud of you. Your book is out right now, My Vanishing Country. Great yeah, read, so amazing ex- read. Thank you so much, brother. I'm so excited about it. It was a, I, I, I you, you may know this, but I, I got turned down by nearly 30 publishers for trying to write really? a book about, yeah, I was trying to write a political book in the age of Trump. And none of the publishers wanted to buy it. I sat down with Tracy Sherrod and Patrick Bass over at Amistad, uh, a HarperCollins imprint, and told them my story. And they said, you got you to gotta write this book. Um, mm-hmm. And here, here it is. So I'm just thankful for everybody out there who is in this quarantine period and has a project and they've been turned down. Just keep persevering. It happens to the best of us. How long it was inspiring to see. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. How, how long have you been writing a book? I got this done in four to five months. And the crazy part about it is the book's not really partisan. It's a political book. We talk about the systemic injustices that black folk live through, but it doesn't talk about Democrat versus Republican. The reason I had to finish it uh, quickly is because I'm sure y'all are going to have a guest this fall. Uh, the big dog, uh, uh, Barack Obama's book comes out in the fall. And so everybody's trying to get their books out <laughs> now. So they don't have to. <laughs> the be, it'll be over this fall. Over. Let's be clear. President Obama is not coming here. Okay, President Obama is not stopping by the breakfast club. Yeah, he's a book coming out. Okay, he's going to do exactly what Michelle did. He's going to send it in a nice pretty box with a card that says, thank you, Charlemagne. You know, that's what that's that's going to be. I thought it was refreshing to see what a positive impact your father actually had on your life from a young age. Yeah, you know, my father was shot February 8th, 1968 in the Orangeburg Massacre. And I tell people it's... I mean, it's, it's rare, I do believe, for you to be able to come downstairs and in the kitchen have your hero there all the time. 
And, um, you know, just looking back on his struggles, my father was shot. My father went to prison, not once, but twice. He went to prison the first time for refusing to go to Vietnam. Um, he went to prison the second time for being an outside agitator. They deemed him to be, uh, they charged him and tried him and convicted him of rioting. He's the first and only one man riot in the history of this country. But, you know, I tell people that the trauma that people of color live through in this country, not only was my father arrested, but you think about the fact that my mom had to, uh, while her husband was in prison, uh, she had to give birth to my sister, her oldest uh, child, and then live with that and carry a family. My father had a felony. Imagine having a felony in the South um, during the 60s and 70s. And so just living through all of that trauma. And when I look at my dad today, I, you know, his eyes don't pop like they once did. His shoulders aren't as upright as they once were. And you can see the, the burden that he's had to carry um, his entire life. Henry Smith, Samuel Hammond, and Delano Middleton were killed um, in Orangeburg, South Carolina, in the state of South Carolina, this country, only blame my father. And so um, this book is a love story to him. It's a love story to um, the South. It's a love story to black women. But it's also a challenging story to this country to be a more perfect union. You know, when we talk about um, generational trauma, and, you know, based on what happened to your father in the Orangeburg massacre, you know, how do you not hate police officers? Well, I, I, I don't hate them. I have, a, um, I have a healthy fear of them. You know, my parents, when I was growing up, my dad, I think it's from his, from his experience, we never pulled over on the side of the road in the, at night, ever. You always drove to the next exit. You always drove until, um, you know, you, you could find some light. Um, my father was always saying that, um, you know, make sure that you listen. We can fight these injustices in a court of law um, because he knew what happened. I mean, he, he knew that for eight seconds, law enforcement shot into a group of students who were just protesting segregation. And eight seconds, it changed lives. Eight seconds, it killed three. It wounded 28. And so that's, that, those were the lessons that we grew up with. And I'm trying to grow out of hate. Um, I do have a, a lot of hate in my heart. It's aspirational um, for me, but I, I'm working on my journey. I'm talking to Bishop Jakes and Tyler Perry and others and just trying to let all of that resentment and hate go because it's hard to live and be a father and be a husband while you're still out here trying to hate people. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, when, when we talk about your father, Cleveland Sellers, the Orangeburg massacre, that was the first time in history that police officers faced a federal trial for excessive use of force, right? Yeah, and they all were found not guilty. <laughs> yeah, but we still see that happen so much today, and, and you're an attorney. Like, how do we as black people ever get justice in the court of law? So, I mean, at the end, people ask me, what, I, what do I want out of my life? And I think that, the, I, I think, Envy, you get this too. You know, all we want is our children to be free. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't want my children to uh, have to suffer from injustices because of who they love, the color of their skin, or who they pray to. Um, and I want them to be free. And we're not there yet. I mean, it's, it's a, it, it takes more of us, more people going at more black folk on benches, on federal benches. That's why this election is so important, because what Donald Trump has done to federal benches in this country is something that people have, they, they don't fathom. It's not their first thought. But he's reformed the entire judiciary. You got all these young white boys who are sitting on benches with lifetime appointments who are more conservative and less qualified than you can ever imagine. And they are going to dictate how justice is served in this country for not just four years, but for decade upon decade. And so it takes more, more young people going into law, more young people going into politics, more young people coming into the system to reform the system and break it down. I was going to ask you, what do you, what do you teach your kids? I mean, with everything that your dad's been through and you've been through, and you kind of want them to live kind of a normal life where they're not fearful of police. And, you know, so what, what, what is your explanation and, and what are you teaching them? It's crazy. If I have 16-month-old twins, you might hear one or two of them uh, running mm -hmm. around here at, at any moment. 
Um, and then I have a 14-year-old daughter. My 14-year-old daughter, she just um, she just started taking her driving class, man. So she's about to have her permit. So if you're in the Carolinas, just duck if you see her. Just just get off the road. Just, <laughs> just get out the way. Just get out the way. <laughs> yeah, and I'm about to start a GoFundMe for this insurance. Good God, putting the children on your insurance. It goes up crazy. <laughs> but, you know, I tell, I tell them to always be unapologetic about your blackness. Stand in your truth. And, and always think critically. Try not to let your emotions consume you. If you're pulled over and you feel like it's an injustice, we will fight that injustice in a different venue. What you tell your kids? Because you got, you got kids out there driving and doing all types yeah. of <laughs> Well, you know what? You know, my dad is a, a retired police officer. So, you know, the, 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 the two things my dad always taught me was, one, the police are not your friends. So make sure you understand that. The police are not your friends. If they're asking you questions and they're trying to get information from you, shut up. The police are not your friends. And also, and, and the second thing is, is kind of what you just said. My dad said, you cannot win in the streets. Get home, and we can win in the courtroom. We can win outside of that. So when you're dealing with police out there and there's a problem and there's a situation, just remember, you cannot win on those streets. Like, it's their, it's their game. That's true, but you can't win in the courtroom either. But at least well, you're alive. I win in the courtroom, my brother. But for everybody listening, let me just tell y'all, uh, what you said, what you said is so true, man. The they're not your friends. And so I, I see far too many people out there giving police their, I know this isn't on topic, but giving police their phones, co you know, cooperating and, and, and mm -hmm. trying to talk their way out of situations. And let me just tell y'all, that never worked. Hi, right, we got more with Bakari Sellers. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Bakari Sellers. He has a new book called My Vanishing Country. Yee. Bakari, what would you say if one of your kids wanted to go into law enforcement? Oh, I would let them do whatever they want to do. Uh, as long as they were dreaming about being the, the chief of police or the head of the FBI, I want my kids to always dream about being the best. I, I want my kids to do anything. I want them to be change agents, though. So whatever you, whatever profession you go in, make sure that you are becoming a part of something larger than yourself. You talk about your kids, about HBCUs. How important are HBCUs? And as far as your kids, are, are you going to force Bakari your said his Bakari said his twins have to go to an HBCU. Bakari, I tried it. I, only brought my, I brought my kids to only one regular school. The rest were HBCUs. I went to the Spellmans, the Clarks, the Hamptons, the Howards. I went to all HBCUs. My daughter's like, nah, I want to stay close to New York. I want to go to college in New York. And there's no HBCU my, in New York. My kids can go to any college they want to go to as long as it's an HBCU. <laughs> That's the same thing my parents told me. Now, I want my kid, my, 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 um, my, my stepdaughter, uh, her father's Vince Carter. And her mom, my wife, went to North Carolina. So she's between North Carolina North Carolina and Howard right now. So I got I got a 50% chance on that one. The twins, though, the twins going down to the AUC. They're going to go to South Carolina State of Claflin. We're going to do all of those things. That I, I just think that experience, and I talk about it in the book, man, that experience is necessary. It teaches you leadership. It not only helps you uh, have dreams and understand that you can compete anywhere, um, but I think it just gives you this belief and reaffirmation in who you are as a black person. One thing that immediately stands out, I should stand out to people when, when reading your book, My Vanishing Country, is the black working class in America. Why does it seem like that sector of America has been forgotten? Well, I mean, you, when you hear, and the media does it all the time, man, when you hear about um, rural America or you hear about working class America, everybody makes you think that means white America. You know, this is about giving people, this book is about giving black folk a voice. I want people to have a sense of pride when they read this book, and I want white folks to get a sense of understanding. You know, one of the things that Bishop Jakes told me when we were having our conversation is that it's crazy because you can teach people science, you can teach people math, you can teach people English, but you can't teach people blackness. 
And so I want, when, when white folk read this book, I want them to get a sense of understanding, and I think we'll have a sense of pride from reading it. Yeah, that was a good conversation with Bishop T.D. Jakes. I was watching uh, his sermon on Sunday. What actually made me go to it, I saw it on your IG, but I didn't get a chance to go to it, but I was watching his sermon Sunday. He ran a whole goddamn promo for the conversation <laughs> with you and him before his sermon. <laughs> you know, I, I go to, I end up, because, you know, I talk about this as well. Last year was such a hard year for me, man. Um, in giving birth in January, I almost lost my wife. She, um, she bled out. She lost seven units of blood. And, um, you know, when we when I talk about these issues in the book, the political overlay is that um, whether or not you're, you know, Ellen Sellers or whether or not you are uh, Serena Williams um, or you're on Medicaid, black women are four times more likely to die during childbirth than their white peers. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I'm sitting there and at about 528, Stokely's born, 533, Sadie's born. By 10 o'clock, my wife is throwing up. She's she's sweating. We pull the sheets back. It's blood everywhere. The nurses are moving so slow. I have to call her doctors myself on the cell phone. I know them. It's three black women, badass black women. They get out of bed. They come. They take my wife in a crash cart. They bring the whole emergency team in. And then my wife goes in the ICU. They lock the floor down. I'm the only person up there. And they give me these little bitty bottles with nipples. And then I all of a sudden have to become my children's mom, too. And so I'm sitting there. And you know that prayer that you, it's like a, it's like a college prayer. But what it's like when you wake up on Saturday morning and you're real, real drunk and you don't feel good and you like, yeah. dear God, get me out of this. I promise you, I'll never, I'll never drink, drink again. <laughs> yeah. So I was saying that prayer, like, dear God, whatever it is, I'll never do. Just bring my wife back. So the first 36 hours, my wife was in ICU and we literally had to take the kids down in a little bubble to go see her. Um, and then two months later, uh, my daughter was diagnosed with biliary atresia, which is a rare liver disease. And for 93 days, she was on the liver transplant list. And so uh, every day you're watching, she was really skinny but had this big belly. And she was yellow. And every time she peed, it was like this really dark yellow color. And every day she's just dying right in front of your eyes. And you're just hoping you get a phone call to get a new liver before your daughter passes away. Ellen's laying in bed, and we're trying to be strong. And she'll ask a question like, um, did, did God give us Sadie just to take her away? And, and so we went through all of that. Mm -hmm. but first, she got the gift of life. Um, and she's been doing, she's thriving, you know, really well since. And then I saw Bishop Jakes at Tyler Perry's house. I was sitting there eating with my good friend, Andrew Gillum, and my friend, Charlemagne and Angela. We were hanging out. And then uh, I saw Bishop Jakes and ran up to him and talked to him. And just, just and him and Tyler just cried on his shoulder. It meant so much. Um, and since then, you know, they've been there. And the brothers have been there to kind of lift me up and, and renourish and refill my spirit. Because sometimes after you go through moments like that, as strong as you have to be for your family, you need other people to be there for you. I talk about that in this book, that going through trauma, you, it's okay to talk to other people because if you're not healthy, you can't be healthy for those around you. So, And thank y'all for y'all prayers, too. I know that y'all have been there um, for me as well, that my family's been going through this. So uh, a, a big thank you to you all, too. And also, too, man, a salute to Ellen. Wasn't the day the day that, you know, uh, your daughter yeah. got her kidney the week? Didn't her father die that week or something like that? Yeah. I get this phone call. I'm in a mediation. I got a kid who had a, a shattered testicle. So I'm up there mediating this case. Um, he took a he took a lacrosse ball to the uh, to the shattered <laughs> testicle. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and so uh, he had a shattered he had a shattered testicle. I get a phone call, mm. and it's my niece who's, who was living with us. By the way, man, if y'all got any jobs for a 24 year old college graduate. Uh, <laughs> If y'all hire him, man, let me know. I need to get her out of my house. And so I get a phone call, and she's just hollering, man. And she's like, uh, something's wrong with Ellen. 
and Ellen just yelling in the background. They took my father. They took my father. Her father was out there doing what he loved best. He was he was uh, on his lawnmower. He was moving moving blocks and boulders, getting ready for hunting season. And he had a massive heart attack on his tractor. They found him literally wow. dead on his tractor the way he wanted to go out. Um, so she goes down to Lancaster, South Carolina. She's spending time. And she calls me at like 1 o'clock. So the, the heart attack happened in the morning. She calls me at like 1 o'clock. And she's like, Bakari, we got to go to Duke. And I'm like, what's going on? What's wrong? She said, they got a kid. They got a liver. And then so we're just sitting there. And we uh, we go to Duke. And we get the transplant. Her, her father died on Friday. We get the call. We go to Duke the next day. Um, and we get the transplant on Monday. I send Ellen back to Lancaster so she can grieve properly with her family. I stay with Sadie in the hospital. I take a little PJ down to Lancaster. It's the only private plane to fly in Lancaster County to go to the funeral. Then I fly right back. And, um, you know, we, the, at the funeral, um, Reverend, uh, Reverend, um, Chris Levy Johnson, he stated that, uh, her father had to die, had to pass away to go up to heaven to, to get Sadie's liver for her. And so, uh, wow. you know, we just are so, uh, so grateful. Wow. That's amazing. All right, we got more with Bakari Sellers. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Bakari Sellers. Yee. So, Bakari, how is it for you now to be home with your family? So, I mean, you know, this the best part, man, is that, one, we don't, um, people are going through this coronavirus and quarantine, and they got all these problems. But for us, you know, everybody healthy. So we count it all as joy. This don't mean, I mean, this don't mean nothing to us. Right. Hell, last year, this ain't, this is, this is what right. it is. And so we, we're enjoying it, man. And I'm able to do everything this entire book tour um, from, you know, Don Lemon to, um, I'm, I'm able to do uh, 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 Joy AM, AM Joy this coming weekend. I'm, I'm able to do all of these things from right so here. So you on Trevor Noah? Trevor Noah's a dope dude. I, I have a, a great a great respect. I did Yann uh, uh, LeVanzant. Um, but, you know, this is crazy. I don't know if y'all knew this, but the two best shows to sell books, do y'all know the two top shows are to sell books in the country? What's that? Breakfast Club and... Um, Breakfast Club and Daily Show. Really? Daily <laughs> Show. Yes, Trevor Noah, yep. yep. Right there, so y'all are y'all are in y'all are in rarefied air, man. That's why I said Barack's coming, whether or not you want him or not. <laughs> I hope so. Of Michelle, you want him. Michelle, Michelle did send me like a nice gift, like it was like <laughs> remember how Tyler Perry's invitation was? Her her book came in like a package like that. Well, my book to you probably just came in a FedEx envelope, so you just have to. <laughs> uh, I, I got know, the, I I got the, the I, ebook. There was no package. I had the I had the advanced <laughs> copy with the didn't even have a cover or nothing. On, but but I want you to know you look at this dope picture though. See, it has a picture of me from six years old, and then yep. I got uh, Charlotte Hillary and Angela Rye on the back of it, man. So we just I'm happy, man. I'm happy to be able to give a voice to tell a story. I talk about Charleston, the Charleston massacre in the book, um, all the trauma that I lived through, the successes of being the youngest black um, um, legislator in the country. But at the end of the day, I just talk about understanding people's trauma, so maybe we can have some compassion and empathy uh, and persevere to do this thing together. And one of my favorite chapters is anxiety. I said one of my favorite chapters is anxiety is my superpower. Yeah, man, it's a black man's superpower. I, I, I got this fear of death and fear of failure. And so I use those things to push me every single day. These are irrational fears. Man. I'm those, you know, sometimes you, you get this uh, feeling in your chest or uh, you get, I, I call it getting, getting lost in my head. And you, you're like, oh, my God, I, I don't want this to happen before I can finish uh, succeeding or doing this or making my family right. proud. And so I just talk. Most black men only think they can talk to their barbers. 
but we got to start talking to people who are real. <laughs> so what are your thoughts about this upcoming election? What are your predictions on what you think is going to happen? Man, I came on this show uh, last year, year before last, and predicted, well, no, in 2016, and predicted that Hillary Clinton was going to be president. So I don't know if y'all really No, want you don't want to give a prediction? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to predict the opposite. <laughs> you weren't wrong, though. You weren't technically wrong. She won the popular vote. Yeah, but she ain't the president. You know, I, had work, I had to work extremely hard to get Hillary <laughs> on y'all show. Uh, we working extremely hard to get Biden on y'all show. Uh, so yeah. I think that that's necessary. We're going to make that happen. But I think that Joe Biden's going to win this race. I think that it's going to be extremely close. I think we have new swing states like Arizona. I think that we got to we got to do two things. One, I think he, he has to have a black woman on the ticket because black people are going to vote. Oh, that's not trip. Black women are going to vote. They're going to vote for him. But what you want them to do is not only vote, but you want them to make sure that they own them phones, that they're getting everybody from their church to vote, that they're getting the, their cousins who just come over, who they get plates for, who come over to the cookout to vote. Mm -hmm. You want them to actually go out and work. Because if it's not a black woman on that ticket, I'm afraid that they just going to kind of chill out and not do anything. Um, but two, they got to talk to black men. And for a long period of time, the Democratic Party has not messaged the black men. 13% of black men voted for Donald Trump. Some of it was misogyny. Some of it was because it's kind of simple. But other, the other part was that um, there was no other message in there, and at least Donald Trump talks to black men. I don't believe that BS. Most of y'all don't believe that BS, but there are some of our friends do. And if it's the only message there that they hear, then they'll be more receptive. And so we have to fill that void with a positive message. You can't just go out here and tell people that you are not Donald Trump. you got to tell, tell, give these people the reason to vote for you. Why do you think this country's vanishing? Because I see it with my eyes. I mean, where we where we grew up, Mom's Corner in Denmark, South Carolina, what used to be bubbling uh, economies, upward mobility for people of color, are now the the small towns, the downtowns are now boarded up. Um, where I'm from, you live in a food desert where you you don't have fresh fruits and vegetables, you don't have access to quality care, you're drinking dirty water, you're inhaling unclean air. So yeah, it, it's vanishing. And then on the larger scale, um, I think that. What this country has promised us, man. Um, but the promises that that, by the way, it's kind of crazy. My book came out on, on Malcolm X's birthday. But the, yeah. the 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 things that Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. and my father and Stokely Carmichael and Marion Barry and Julian Bond all pushed this country. Those promises they pushed this country to fulfill. I feel like in this era that we're living in now, those things are those things are further away from attaining than they ever were. And so I wanted to highlight that and make sure that we knew what the challenge was before us. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate Our vanishing country is out right now, man. That's make right. sure you go get it. Amazon. Yes. Uh, it's, it, did you, it's on Audible too, right? Yeah, Audible. But, you know, that Audible yep. don't really count towards the Times bestsellers list, man. So let's let's go get the hard copy. <laughs> Please, uh, right? No, they got an audio book. They got a, not Audible, but they have an audio book. If you buy the audio book, they have a whole other list for that on the New York Times. So you can make that yeah, list. One, I want to make that one. But I, let me tell you, let me tell y'all real quick why I want to make the New York Times bestsellers list, man. But not just to put it in my Twitter bio, but it's going there. But not just for that. But <laughs> when, they, when they give young black authors like myself an opportunity to write, um, we have to do well so that other people have an opportunity to. That's if right. Charlemagne didn't do well. If Mark Lamont Hill didn't do well and Wes Moore didn't do well, then I wouldn't have my chance. And so it took me, it still took me 30 times to get a book deal. And so what I'm saying is I need this book to do well. We need this book to do well so that other people of color can tell their stories too. It's definitely going in the Twitter bio if, if it happens, but <laughs> you know, I, I, do, I do want to open up doors for other people. That way when Angela 
uh, Yee writes her best-selling book. We we got it, and we get to go. Okay, absolutely. That's right. So make sure y'all go get your, my vanishing country. And give your love to give our love to your family for us too, as well. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Keep us in your prayers. Thank you all. All right. It's Bakari Sellers. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Listen up. It's just in. All the gossip. gossip. The rumor report. Gossip. With Angela. Angela Yee. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. Yes, so the barbs are coming at Lisa Ray and Claudia Jordan. And I'm not sure if they're really going at Vivica Fox. But this is all because of some comments that were made on their on Claudia's show on Fox Soul. Now, this all started because of the conversation that Usher had with Swizz, where he was talking about a possible battle between Little Kim and Nicki Minaj. And Usher said that that didn't seem right because Nicki Minaj was a product of Little Kim. So here is what they discussed as far as those comments. And I don't know why the fans are getting so angry at what Usher said. Usher did not slam Nicki Minaj by saying that. That is not a diss to her, but it is a fact. Little Kim came up way before her in a crew of all fellas, and she made that popular. So we can all stand together, queens, and say that we are both acknowledging that. All of us are acknowledging the fact Mm. that Kim came before Nicki Minaj. And so, Nicki, just take a seat. You don't have to sit down for long, but just take a bow. Just like Beyonce said, bow down, bitches. I still don't see what the problem is. Nicki Minaj is a product of Little Kim, and that doesn't take away from Nicki's greatness, just like Kobe Bryant is a product of Michael Jordan. Like, what's what's the problem? I think they didn't like how Lisa Ray said for um, Nicki Minaj to take a seat and just take a bow. So no, that's she said, probably, bow down, bitch. I thought she said it. Something bitches, like that, right? yeah. She did say that oh, as well. Oh, okay. That it wasn't necessarily just that conversation. So, yes. And now the barbs are going crazy. And Claudia said, wow, now the barbs have gone too far, threatening to beat her, my 69-year-old mother, and now harassing my 15-year-old niece. At the end of the day, what will this accomplish? But keep your karma bad and you get brought up on charges. We stay protected. Know this. And then she put hashtag over a talk show combo. Then she also said that the barbs are brainless and soulless. Listen, you can't go it. First of all, Claudia didn't even really say anything. I love the fact that Claudia Jordan said you could be brought up on charges. That's all you got to do. Just hire the FBI. They have people that can track down those folks, you know what I'm saying, who make those crazy-ass comments to you on social media, those death threats, if they leaking your address, if they mm-hmm. you know, threatening to kill you. That's all illegal. It just takes a little time and a little energy to get it done. But if they threatening your mom and niece and posting your address, it's worth getting one of them locked up. Absolutely. And I'm sure that this isn't how Nicki Minaj wants to be represented by her fans, especially, you know, at a time like this, you want to be more positive. If you want to be someone's fan and go hard for them, keep it positive. Say positive things. If you have an issue with what somebody said, you can address them about it, but you don't have to threaten someone's mom or their niece. Put the FBI on their ass. Barbs behind bars should be the hashtag, okay? Let's get some of them goddamn barbs locked the hell up. All right, and let's talk about versus battles because I am so excited for this Memorial Day event. It's going to be Bounty Killer versus Beanie Man. So I will be watching that on the big screen. I was praying for one of these dance hall or reggae ones, and this is it. So this event is going to be amazing, and I'll definitely be watching that. Saturday starting at 8 p.m. Eastern. Me too. I'm going to have my drinks ready. Uh, And BET Awards, they will be virtual this year. And so that's the format. The annual award show will move forward. It's going to be Sunday, June 28th. Mm -hmm. Uh, Usually they have this three-day event that leads up to it with the BET experience. That's not going to move forward as scheduled. So the rest of it, though, the actual awards will be virtual. 
And what's so whack right, about that is this is the first year that uh, BET is going to be on CBS. You know what I'm saying? So the first year mm. that it's going to be on CBS is going to be virtual. I don't like their virtual award shows. I'm over all virtual everything. I hate it. I hate the Zoom presenters and Zoom performances. I'm done with all of that. But yeah. it's just whack that it's going to be on CBS this year and it's going to be virtual. There's nothing you can do about that. Well, you know, you know, and, they got to cancel it. So I'm sure it does. Yeah, I'm sure that people appreciate the content as well. And people, I'm sure, can come up with creative ways to perform from home as we've been seeing happen. So mm -hmm. people will do their best. Maybe they'll have a versus during that, too. All right, Russell Simmons, the sexual assault accusers that are saying that he assaulted them are doing interviews now because, you know, that uh, that movie, that documentary on the record comes out on HBO Max on May 27th. And it tells the stories of three women who alleged that he preyed on them while he was overseeing Def Jam recordings. And now they have also done exclusive interviews in this week's issue of People magazine. So. Uh, the women that you can see on there, Drew Dixon, a female employee who worked as director of A&R at Def Jam. You can also see Syl Lai Abrams, and she was a former Def Jam executive assistant, and Sherry Sher, who also was an early hip-hop artist. Now, Russell Simmons has continued to say that he apologized for thoughtlessness in his relationships with women and even inappropriate conduct, but denies all accusations of rape. So he is denying that. He did not respond when people reached out for comment. But there's a whole profile on these women in interviews that are out this week in People magazine. And Tammy Rivera, she's done an interview and she's talking about how she does have a regret. And that regret is having liposuction done. Here's what she had to say. I've gotten lipo in my stomach, which I never should have done. It was the worst decision I ever made. The reason why I feel as though, because first of all, I didn't need it. You know, at the bottom of your stomach, you have that little, mm -hmm, the little you have a baby, roll. that little mm -hmm. pouch just doesn't mm -hmm. go away. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to suck this pouch out. Mm -hmm. And by me doing that, I feel like the fat deposit in other places. Mm -hmm. And I've always been, you know, bottom heavy. So now I'm extra bottom heavy. And people are like, oh, you got your ass down. I'm like, girl, if I could suck this shit out, I would. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that's the thing, man. Sometimes when you get certain procedures done, you don't think about how it might affect the rest of your body or the mm -hmm. upkeep of it. So that was very honest of her. And, you know, she did get a breast reduction. And uh, now she said the lipo is the one thing that she does regret. Okay. All right. I'm Angela Yee, and that is your rumor report. Okay. Thank you, Miss Yee. Charlemagne. Yes, sir. Who are you giving that donkey to? You know, we need uh, Armando Jr. Hernandez. He is the alleged shooter of Westgate Mall in Arizona. He needs to come to the front of the congregation. We need to have a word with him. All right, we'll get into that next. Keep it locked. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkey of the Day, I'm a Democrat, so being Donkey of the Day is a little bit of a mixed play. So like a donkey. Yeehaw, okay. Donkey of the Day. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Called a lot in my 23 years, but Donkey of the Day is a new one. Donkey of the Day for Thursday, May 21st, goes to a young 20-year-old man named Armando Jr. Hernandez, okay? He is the alleged shooter of Westgate Mall in Arizona. Now, if you haven't heard, Armando posted a series of posts on Snapchat that said, well, he said he would be the shooter of the Westgate Mall. Let's go to KPNX News 12, NBC, for the report, please. At least three people have been shot after a suspected gunman opened fire at Glendale's Westgate Entertainment District. Glendale police believe that a lone man with a gun walked into the shopping complex and started shooting. 
possibly recording himself on several social media platforms. Right now, we're working to confirm the validity of those videos. Glendale police have the suspect in custody. In the meantime, police want everyone to know that this is not an active shooter situation. However, the area is closed off until further notice. You see why I had to say alleged shooter? Because they haven't validated the video yet. Uh, how much more you know, validation do you need? Okay, when a guy looks at a camera and says, I am going to be the shooter, then proceeds to shoot people on camera, like, what are we trying to confirm here, people? Uh, I am fully aware that this is a different era we live in. People want attention for every damn thing. Everybody knows they can have an audience, and they will take the opportunity to be in front of an audience every chance they get. Uh, apparently, everything, including mass shootings, is performative nowadays. Now, I didn't watch this video uh, there's absolutely no part of me that wants to see people get shot in real life. This ain't a movie, dog. Okay, and I'm cool on witnessing things like that, but I did listen to the audio of Armando talking leading up to the shooting, and I'm playing this because I want you to hear how gleeful this young man sounds to do what it is he's about to do. Listen. My name's Armando Jr. Hernandez, and I'm going to be the shooter of Westgate 2020. This is to get back to mean society, so let's get this done. He, he sounds like he's going to try out a new hamburger everybody's been raving about, okay? Like, like this shouldn't sound like a routine thing for him to do, okay? I'm reading the article on the Daily News describing the video, and it says he flashed his beer can and showed his guns in the backseat of his car, and he said, let's get this done. Like, young man, you're not going to work, okay? You, you're not about to mow a lawn or go tear down the frame of a house. Let's get this done. Sounds like you're an essential delivery driver who got a long day ahead of him delivering packages to people. And you just want to get it done. Let's get this done, okay? You are attempting to give yourself a pep talk to go do a mass shooting. I, I'm just confused. Now, Armando went on to shoot three people. As of right now, one of the people injured is in critical condition. Two others were expected to survive following the shooting. Thank God for that, okay? Now, in the video, the Daily Mail reports this guy stood over one of his victims, uh, a young lady, and said, society is bullsh. Okay, the woman pleads, I have nothing to do with that. You already got me, dude. Uh, let, me, let me hear that for a second. Let me hear that little clip. You know, man, situations like this is why I've been social distancing from large crowds for a long time. This is another reason to stay quarantined. You would think that during this quarantine, people would have started to appreciate life more. But nope, not Armando. And I'm lying to you if I said I don't feel empathy for him, okay? I feel empathy for his nut ass because I maintain anyone who is in that much pain that they would want to go out and hurt other people like that they are clearly a really hurt individual themselves, okay? He's 20 years old and clearly dealing with a lot of trauma. And when you don't deal with your own traumas, you traumatize others. Now, in a perfect world, I have two wishes. One, I wish this young man would have received help for whatever is you know, clearly going on with him. There's clearly some psychological issues there, but this world isn't perfect. Okay, uh, if, if it was, that man would be sitting with a psychiatrist or be in someone's facility receiving the type of treatment he needs, uh, maybe being put on the type of medication he needs to prevent things like this from happening. That's my first wish. My second wish, whenever I hear things like this, is I really wish these folks who think society is BS, these folks who don't like it here, who don't want to be here anymore, I really wish they understood that is a personal problem. And if they don't want to be here anymore, 
Don't go taking other people out. Take yourself out. You the one that doesn't want to be here anymore. That woman you had on the ground telling her society is BS. What does she have? What what does she have to do with the way you feel? Okay, she may feel like minus the BS, life is great. So who are you to take that from her? Don't take that anger out on others. If you must, take it out on yourself. I personally believe as long as you are breathing, you can reform your life in some way. You can salvage what's left of your life. But I would much rather you harm yourself before you go harm a bunch of innocent people. Okay? Armando is now in custody. And um, I guess you got to look at the bright side. There is a bright side. No, no, there's no guess. Yes, there is a bright side. Kid had an AR-15. It could be a lot more people dead right now. Okay, a lot more people hurt, all right? Clearly, there's no, there's nobody dead as of right now, person in critical condition, you know, two are injured, and, you know, it could be way worse. It could be families actually grieving this morning, but by the grace of God, it's not, okay? And we have to be very mindful of each other at a moment like this. During this global pandemic, we all have to be very mindful of each other, okay? Everybody is going through things. Everybody is at the end of their rope, and the only thing we need to know at this present moment in time is be kind, okay? Be kind whenever possible. And always remember, it is always possible to be kind. Please give Armando Jr. Hernandez the biggest he are. Very sad situation, man. All right. Very, very, very sad. Very sad that a, that, that, that a young person would snap like that. Mm-hmm. All right, up next is Ask Yee, 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, hit Yee right now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. What, 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 what you want to know? Baby mama issues? Need some words of wisdom? Call up now for Ask Yee, 800-585-1051. The Breakfast Club. Come on, relationship advice need personal advice just need real advice call up now for ask ye keep the bread morning everybody it's dj nv angela ye charlamagne the guy we are the breakfast club it's time for ask ye hello who's this jesse hey jesse Jesse. what's your question for ye okay so i have an ex who's like crazy and he well i broke up with him in december and i came home and now he's, like, trying to reach out to my friends, my family. Like, he never was interested in meeting them. But now he's, like, making new social media pages. And then now he's found my new boyfriend. Mm-hmm. He's a stalker. And yesterday, they, yeah. And yesterday they, like, exchanged a lot of words. And I don't even know the whole conversation that they had. But my new boyfriend's acting funny. Like, he hasn't said not one sentence to me. I cook for him. He usually say thank you. He didn't say anything. Like he ate. He went to sleep. Like he turned to. He put a pillow between us and everything. So I don't wow. know. Like what happened? Like should I leave him and just say forget it? Because I don't know well, what my ex said. I'm never a fan of letting exes come between me and my new relationship. So I think what you need to do is let your new current boyfriend know, look, I don't know what happened, but we're in a relationship. We're supposed to be able to talk to each other about anything. So I want you to let me know what is bothering you. Please do not let this outside person do exactly what he intended to do. And his intention was for us to break up and not get along. I do not communicate with him. You don't communicate with him, right? I mean, right now he's still on my phone bill. Like, he's on my contract. So right now I'm trying to contact him and let him know, you know, your phone bill's due. And then during girl, that, you need, first of all, can you you was, gotta get him off your phone. This crazy. Yeah, like this is the last month, so it's like after this month, like he can get off my plan. Like the contract is up, so I'm like, okay, good. It's only one month. 
But it's like it's been two other months that I had to, you know, get collect the money from him to pay the phone bill. And he was like, to me out. But it's like you didn't want me when I was there. Like, this is the type of dude that will tell you to leave. And then when you pack up, he's like, no. It's like, and this happened for like months in and months out. And I'm like, I'm not dealing with his mental stress. Like, I like my peace. Mm-hmm. And this right here is not peaceful either. Like, I have to deal with my, my ex. You know, coming into my new situation, I'm like, what the hell? I don't know what to do. Well, Jesse, part of this is the fact that you really did not completely cut off your ex. Right. So I do feel like you have to take responsibility for that. Because are there things that you are hiding from your current boyfriend that your ex could have thrown in his face? It's like, okay, my ex sent him a video, you know, mm-hmm. of us. <laughs> and that kind of threw him off. And it was like, like the second time like I did see the video part my current boyfriend mm-hmm. he sent me a screenshot and my ex sent me a screenshot too but they never sent me the whole message so I don't know what Look, else was said but I'm gonna say this I have what was this like an x-rated video yes you got to understand, of course your current boyfriend feels away, and you need to be sympathetic towards that but you never cut this ex off completely so First of all, nobody wants to see their girlfriend having sex with anybody. And I think that is completely disrespectful that your ex did that. And if that was me, I would have definitely went and did something legally with him. And if that means I got to get a restraining order, if that means that I have to do a police report because he cannot be distributing uh, these things that you did in private to people publicly. Next thing you know, he might post that online. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm over here losing it. Girl, you better nip that in the bud. First things first, cut off this ex-loser boyfriend of yours. Stop communicating with him. Take legal action so that he's not able to post this of you, that he knows that there will be criminal charges against him if he does try to do that. Let your new boyfriend know that you mean business. Right. Because right now he's thinking that you still have feelings for your ex. Now he done seen y'all having sex, even though I'm sure he didn't want to have to see that. And he knows you haven't completely cut him off. You're right. So handle your business so that you can actually be in a new relationship. You have all these loose ends, but take care of yourself. Like, make sure that he's not able to do these things that will really hurt you. Because that's what he's trying to do. And somebody who had feelings for you would never do that. Yeah, he thought he was going to violate me. That's the word he used. He was going to violate. He's from New York. And, you know, I'm from South Carolina. So all that up north stuff don't go with me. Like, I can't deal with that. (laughs) All right, but don't play no games, girl. Don't wait till he does something even worse next. Right. Thank you. you know, I really you're welcome. Like, I was going through it, girl. Thank you so much. I don't care. Handle your business. And I know we so hesitant to reach out to the authorities and like, oh, I don't want to. No. Right. I was about to curse. But no, you have to do it. I've had to do it before. And I'm telling you right now, you do not want to wait for something even worse where you could be in some type of danger, where something could be spread about you. You don't want that. He don't care about you. He's trying to hurt you. Now it's time for you to let him know I'm not playing with you either. Yeah, but he's a psychopath. He texted me after that, and he told me I'll come back home so we can have kids. And I'm like, what's going on? Do not entertain <laughs> him. And you messed up. Do not entertain him. Cut him out of your life, period. There should be no That's reason for you to... You shouldn't even... I blocked him off for everything. Now he's to the point where he's emailing me off of different emails. Like, I don't know what else to do. Well, good. That's evidence. Thank you. Right. Be like, yeah, keep emailing me. That's evidence. Keep on creating these new email addresses. That's evidence. Cut off his phone. You got his phone under your phone bill? Cut it off. Right. Well, thank you, Dean. I need it. You're welcome. And file that police report today. File a police report. Yeah, do that today, immediately. Yeah, I'm about to do that right now. Like, after I hang up. I promise. All right, right, I'm going to check back in with you. All right, thank you. Put on hold so you can get a number, please. 
Yes. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice or any type of advice, call ye now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. A soldier, no one could understand. I had way too much aggression that built over the years from my abandoned adolescence. See, I done been lied to, backstabbed, and heartbroken. I wanted to cry, but I was too afraid to open. Praying one day I find a piece of mind by the ocean. I spent all my time committing crimes to get closer. While at my nana house, I play the couch, staring at the ceiling, trying not to get in my feelings, thinking of a way I can make these millions. Maybe that'll take this pain away and clear up all these rainy days. Heart yeah. been broke so many times, I, I don't know what to believe. Know what to believe. Uh, mama yeah. say it's my fault, it's my fault. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Think it's best I put my heart on nice, heart on nice. Cause I can't breathe. I'ma put my heart on nice, heart on nice. Getting the best of me. Stabbed in my back so much, got ready to see at the trauma unit. Yeah, yeah, Growing up ain't had no guidance, so I had to let my mama do yeah, it. Yeah, if something yeah. happened to me, just know my brothers ain't do it. Just know the ops will do it. But them chances right now so slim, cause the ops are too. Cause my granny ain't understand. I reminisce about a hundred grand. Came from nothing, they don't understand. Put ketchup on Wonder Bridge. Yeah, yeah. Summertime in Miami, had a top down. Can't do that shit in Chi Town, cause shots gonna be fired around. That chance on was cool, but I can't slide around. So fake and so snaked out, that key for a half a pound. That's why I'm always around my Cause she turned me out. I was in that water with them sharks, not down the drum. Heart been broke so many times, I, I don't know what to believe. Uh, mama say it's my fault, it's my fault. I wear my heart on my sleeve. Think it's best I put my heart on nice, heart on nice. Cause I can't breathe. I'ma put my heart on nice, heart on nice, getting the best of me. Here's some real advice with Angela Yee. It's Ask Yee. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? My name is Shaggy. Hey Shay, what's your question for you? Uh, I've been—I'm the only one working in my household, and um, I have a boyfriend of seven years, and he's not working, and he hasn't worked the whole time we've been together. So I'm trying to figure wow. out if I should stay—if I should stay in the relationship, or should I just let him go? So he hasn't worked for seven years. Why is that? Um, the, he has his own business, and he wants to do that. Okay, so he does work. He has his own business. He just doesn't have a traditional nine to five. Yes. Now, why would you say he doesn't work if he has his own business? Does he? Is he's he? Not, is it working not, out? Is he making money? No. It's, no. 
What is his business? I'm just curious. Um, I really don't know. So for seven years, you've been with a guy who hasn't made any money and has a business, but you don't know what he does. Right. What made you stay so long? Um, I kind of love him. <laughs> okay, so you love him. How do you not know what he does, though? Wouldn't you be wanting to be supportive um, of such a business? Do, right. Uh, he has different businesses. Um, he does marketing and different ventures, but... Oh, boy. Sounds like a scammer. Sounds like a scammer, mama. I just want to say, I feel like just from the tone of this conversation already, that you seem very negative and that you put him down. It seems like, A, first you told us he doesn't work and he hasn't worked in seven years, but he does. He has his own business. Then you told us you don't know what he does, but now you're telling us what he does. And then you also said you kind of love him. So it feels like you have an issue with being supportive or opening up to him and also letting him lean on you when he needs things. Well, I mean, I've been leaned on the whole time. Financially? Right. But you do still love him? Yes. What do you need in order for you to want to stay with him? Let's weigh out the pros and cons. Like, what would you need to happen uh, for you to feel like... Money. I, I would need the financial support. Okay. And that can be stressful. And listen, I get it. You stuck it through for seven years and you're tired of being the one that has to financially hold things down. You want to be taken care of. Uh, you know, you want to go on vacation. You want somebody to at least pull their own weight, right? Right. And I know that can be stressful because finance is the number one reason that couples argue. So what does he say when you tell him, I need you to do something that actually brings something to the table and make some money? He wants me to support him in his business. Which you have been. <laughs> yeah. And you guys live together. That is correct. Okay, so maybe what you need to do is stop enabling him by being supportive of him all the time financially. And maybe y'all do need to get your own places so that he is forced to be in a position where he has to earn money and take care of himself because that might only benefit him. In the meantime, maybe it's not a full breakup, but maybe it's more of... I'm tired of having to financially be the person that handles everything. So I'm going to take care of myself, spoil myself, and let you get yourself on track. And then I think you can see what he does from there. Okay. Because I do think seven years is a long time to stick it through. You still love him, but I can understand the bitterness of having to feel like I have to pay for everything. I have to support you in everything. You're not pulling your weight around here financially. And if that is something that bothers you, I can't see that just going away. And sometimes we do enable people by always making sure the bills are paid. And then they feel like, okay, I can continue to do what I need to do. But you guys are, aren't married, right? No. Okay, good. So because y'all are not married... I don't think that you're obligated to live with him. And if he takes your relationship seriously and he knows what he needs to do to make things work, then he will step up and do that. I agree. Okay. All right. Well, good luck. I hope y'all work it out. Thank you. But it's on him now. You did your part. Yeah. Wow. All right. Thank you, mama. Thank you. She's not much for words, huh? <laughs> she, Gee, she called She called you and didn't want to answer. All right. Right. Ask ye. 800... <laughs> 585-1051. You got rumors on the way? Yes, an anonymous NFL player is suing United Airlines. Find out why. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is The Rumor Report with Angela Yee. Rumor has it. 
Breakfast Club. So listen up. Yes, he is preferring to stay anonymous, but he says he was sexually assaulted on a United Airlines plane, and he says flight attendants didn't do anything to stop it, so now he's suing. What? So what he says is, yes, a woman sexually harassed, assaulted, abused, and violated him during a flight. It was a red-eye flight from LAX to New Jersey. Mm -hmm. He said it was a nightmare. He said he took his place in a middle seat. A woman sat in the window seat next to him. And immediately he said he was harassed over the safety mask that he was wearing. He says the woman hit and elbowed him and demanded that he move seats. And that's when he said the woman was taking pills. They believed that she was under the influence. Mm -hmm. He got up to tell the flight attendants about the harassment, and they did nothing about it, according to this lawsuit. The NFL player says the woman then started groping and massaging his knees and thighs. He said that they got up to inform flight attendants, but still they did nothing. And then the woman began to intensify her sexual assault, grabbing and groping his quads and then stroking her hand across his lap towards the inside of his leg near his genitals. He said he immediately got up. He pleaded with the flight attendant to get her to stop. And the United employee did nothing more than issue a verbal warning to the woman. That's when the NFL player says the woman grabbed his penis and ripped off his face mask causing him to jump away and run toward flight attendants. Wow. Take your now, power with an, back, King. He was with another uh, NFL player, and that's when the second player says the woman slid over into the middle seat after he got up and started sexually assaulting him as well. So what they ended up doing was moving the woman to another row without passengers, and both the players were given $150 vouchers for their troubles, but now they went to sue. That's right. Take wow. your power back, King. You don't have to be anonymous. Tell your story. Okay, nobody takes men serious when we make these kind of complaints. This double standard must stop. Tell your story and don't be ashamed. Women can be predators too. Okay, I've seen many a man molested on a flight. That happens to, that happens to wax all the time. If wax sits next to one of these older white women, mm -hmm. oh my God. You, 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 like, who gives her permission to just touch on people like that? They do it all the time. I've seen this a million times. Why the flight attendant didn't move the woman immediately. Like, I don't understand why takes, it took for both of them to get sexually assaulted, for them to finally make you know this why. woman move her I ain't go front. And she could have been arrested nobody as soon as she got off the plane. Yeah, because but nobody it, takes men serious when we make these kind of complaints. And I'm monitoring guy, this situation. because If it would have been a guy or a girl, they would have landed that plane immediately. Yes. If a guy no, harassed a woman, sexually harassed a woman, they would have landed that plane. Uh, and if he complained like that, they should have landed that plane. He should, he should definitely sue. Absolutely. And I'm monitoring this situation because I want to know what kind of bag he gets. Okay, now LeBran, Usain Bolt, and more stars are starring in Greatness Code on Apple TV+. Plus. So it'll be Tom Brady, uh, more of them starring in Greatness Code, and that's going to premiere on July 10th. It's a short-form, unscripted series that spotlights untold stories from the greatest athletes in the world. So get ready for that. As we know, people really want to see some sports. Um, Sean White will be featured on that. Also, 11-time world champion surfer Kelly Slater, and it's co-produced by Religion of Sports. So... Make sure you check that out. Now, Tracy Ellis Ross has released official music video for Love Myself. That's her first single off the High Note soundtrack. As you know, she is in that movie starring as a recording artist, Grace Davis. And here is what that song sounds like. Am I a stranger if I
She debuted this song last week, and a lot of people did uh, comment on that. So that's dope to hear Tracy Ellis Ross singing. She said she had always kind of shied away from it. When you're Diana Ross's daughter, I can see how that can be intimidating. Yeah, I can see All right, Wu-Tang Clan. Absolutely has launched the Protect Your Hands sanitizer, and that's for Canadian COVID-19 relief. So the group has launched a variety of products that will help hospitals, food banks, and shelters in Canada. So it's part of the A Better Tomorrow collection. And Beyonce has tied the number one record as uh, Megan Thee Stallion's Savage is on top of the R&B and hip-hop airplay chart. That song is number one. So congratulations to Beyonce. She's tied... Um, she's tied in fourth place with eight number ones on the overall list. Drake is number one with 26. Usher is number two at 15. Little Wayne is number three at 12. And then Alicia Keys, Beyonce, Chris Brown, Jay-Z, and R. Kelly have eight apiece. So congratulations to her. So Ice Cube says that Mr. Rogers once sued him for his 1990 song, Against His Fairy Tale. You know, he was celebrating the 30th anniversary of his America's Most Wanted album with the digital listening party. He did a whole track-by-track playback, and that's one of the things he talked about was the song, Against His Fairy Tale. So that sample can't be found anymore because it's from Mr. Rogers' <laughs> uh, children's show. But here's what he said. It's a trip because off this song, Mr. Rogers sued us. He was mad because we had... We had the Mr. Rogers theme at the beginning of this shit. It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood and all that. And uh, the sued us and was getting like five cent a record till we took that part off. And in one more interesting story, Mass Appeal has unveiled Foul Child, The Legend of Big L. It's a documentary, so they have put out the trailer for that documentary. And here it is. Big L was as Harlem as Harlem gets. He had like an aura about him. He kind of knew that L was special. When you hear Big L, it inspires you. Always having that hip-hop energy. He's a lyricist, lyricist. The rhythm of his raps is so funky, so intoxicating. He's a pillar. You have to study him. You have to study his wittiness, get into his mind, how he was thinking. Big L still gives me a lot of confidence in rapping because he raps big. They're celebrating the 25th anniversary of Big L's Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous debut album back in 1995. All right, I'm Angela Yee, and that is your Rumor Report. All right, well, thank you, Miss Yee. When we come back, happy birthday to Notorious B.I.G. Of course, we got to start the mix off with some big revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice Mix is up next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have some special guests in the building. Now, yeah, I'm going to let you introduce them. I know we have Michelle, AC, and Stacy. I just wanted to say it. You just introduced them. That's all I wanted to say. Go ahead, Yee. Uh, well, I'll let you guys. Well, you guys know Stacy, who does Wealth Wednesday with us um, every month. Also, Michelle Gaston-Williams, and you know her as the author of Climb, which is the book that we have right here. But also, you'll be talking to us about all the different companies that you've led and information that you've gotten as a C-suite, what would you call it? A Executive. C-suite executive. Change agent, impact seeker. Right. And yeah. we're going to learn all a lot that. from you this morning about finding our voice, speaking out, and how we can actually become the forces that we're meant to be in business. Mm -hmm. And also, AC is here with us, and AC Eggleston-Bracy, right? Got it. Beautiful. And we know you for leading Unilever North America, which is a huge corporation. We work with Uni Unilever a lot, thanks to Shea Moisture also. But also, Unilever owns a lot of other companies, too. Yep. Yep, a lot of beauty brands, mm -hmm. Dove, Tresemme, Axe. I have about two dozen brands that I manage. 
So when you're in the shower and you see the little Unilever logo, you know <laughs> what that's all about. Yeah. Do y'all make cleanser? Y'all didn't bring no today? We do. We make seven generation. We wipe down disinfectant. Well, that's what you should have brought today. That's what we right. need today. <laughs> that's, this isn't Wash about your hands. personal needs. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we can sir. send you some. <laughs> so there's a lot of things that we can actually relate to your book, Michelle, that we're going to talk about with our own personal experiences, right? Absolutely. Right. All right, so Stacey, I know you're up here all the time for Wealth Wednesday, <laughs> but we don't know your story and There's how you a got to be for that. Yes, <laughs> the financial coach and expert who you are today. It was interesting. Um, I'm glad we're all here talking with women of color about how to get to those high level positions, and it's a very different road for us. My career started on Wall Street, and I was lucky. My first job, I got a really big break in terms of I was assistant to a cash manager, and what his job was to manage the company's money. It was about $100 million a day. But another company was trying to take us over. I was young, but he still thought I knew his job best, so he gave me that responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I did that job for many years, which was great, but then Wall Street wasn't clicking for me. Mm -hmm. I knew finance. I've written since I think I came out of the womb, so I wanted to go into financial journalism. So I literally called the Wall Street Journal with that story and they bought it and I started working there as a writer. I moved into their TV department, became a producer. So far things had been easy enough that I hadn't had to face my internal demons, so to speak, that were going to hamper my career because the rubber really hit the road for me when I moved from that producer role to wanting to be in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. And uh, to move into uh, you know network level business news, you encounter someone that a lot of us have heard of, Roger Ailes. And I think the first thing he ever said to me kind of defined a lot of what happened to me. He looked at me and he said, I'm gonna close my eyes and I'm gonna imagine what someone who's good with money looks like. Now I'm gonna open my eyes. It didn't look like you. Wow. So I very defiantly told him that he was going to have to change his definition of what a business news reporter looked like, and I went to war. And I got, you know, I just got myself to a level. I got jobs at CBS. And one thing that I would run into there is I did great being a reporter and business correspondent for the national shows, but those networks make a lot of their money off the affili affiliates, and the Southern and a lot of Midwestern affiliates just wouldn't air me. So they would come to CBS and say, you know, we're not airing her business segment, so. They were like Roger Ailes. Yeah, they couldn't. You know, it's not even like I can go to HR and complain, they just couldn't. So I had to find more interesting stories. I had to find different angles on stories. We hear we have to be twice as better. I had to be 10 times as good. And I was able to keep myself at a level. I worked at, you know, CNN, PBS, the Today Show. I got into all those places, but it was very clear to me it wasn't clear to me, actually, what a toll that was taken on my self-esteem mm -hmm. and my self-confidence. So it's really just believing in yourself. And you're, you're going to evolve no matter what's going on in your mind and just staying true to that and finding what you're passionate about. And it does happen. All right. Wow. See, we didn't know all of that about your <laughs> journey to get here. <laughs> and Michelle, we read, well, I read somewhat about your journey. We got the book this morning, so I was trying to go through it as fast as I could. Yeah. But we, uh, you have a book out, Climb, and you talk about yeah. your own journey and how you got to yes. where you got to and how much harder it is for black, not just women, but black women have an even tougher time yes. uh, breaking into businesses and running businesses and Fortune 500 companies, and you address all of that. So let's talk about your journey. Absolutely. So I started my career in marketing many years ago. 
um, and in the consumer goods industry. And I d- determined early on this just wasn't for me. I just didn't feel gratified. So I left that company, worked for another organization where I was able to rotate to different functions within that company. So from procurement to finance to, to marketing and you name it. And my last rotation was in human resources and strategic planning. Mm-hmm. So I've been a diversity practitioner in four different industries from uh, financial services to consumer goods, professional services. I was even an entrepreneur for a short period of time. Why is diversity important in, in corporations and why was the work that you did so important? Yeah, it, any organization worth salt in my view um, would need to have a diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy of some sorts if they want to stay in business. Because what we're talking about is this is a business imperative. This is just not the right thing to do or the nice thing to do. There's an implication for organizations that don't embrace diversity strategy because you're talking about innovation and creativity and leveraging the workforce and maximizing and utilizing all the skills and, and uniqueness that individuals of difference bring to the table. So this is a business strategy. This is no longer about just human capital and people. So in my view, any organization that wants to stay in business needs to embrace diversity and inclusion. But when do Mm -hmm. we get to the point where we say, part of my language, but f*** those companies? What's what's wrong with a lot of the stuff that we own? It feels like we always rely on something else instead of doing it ourselves. You know what? I um, have struggled with that point as well so much. And one of the businesses, so I think it's really important that when you invest in businesses, it's not just about marketing to us, it's mm-hmm. about doing something back for us. Mm-hmm. So of all the businesses that I've run, I've tried to do that. One of them is Shea Moisture. Mm-hmm. What we do is we make sure we are investing in women of color entrepreneurs to have their own business. Another one of the brands that I run is Dove. We are um, the founding member of the Crown Coalition. Mm-hmm. And Crown is creating a respectful open world for natural hair. So we are actively supporting and advocating for change of laws Mm -hmm. to help us. But yeah, so uh, let's dive more into this though, right? Because, and we'll use Michelle, your book as kind of the center of everything they were talking about. One thing that I thought was interesting you talked about was motherhood and womanhood, right? Not Mm -hmm. being synonymous with each other. So I would like for you to expand on that because I do feel like people are always like, for myself, I don't have children, I'm not married. But it always becomes an issue. Oh, well, you don't have any kids, so you don't know what it feels like to be this, or you're not a real woman until you have kids. And that was something that you experienced. Absolutely. And and I still experience it to this day, and I'm over 50 now. So so I am a working executive. I, I am married, but I don't have children. And that comes with judgment. So, um, and in my view, motherhood does not constitute womanhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a decision a long time ago that children were not in my future. It was a contract that I made with my husband when we were dating. Uh, you know, he was my then fiance. Uh, it's not for everyone. And so I talk about the judgment uh, that comes with that. Well, I got enough kids for all of y'all. So anyway, <laughs> I, got, I got enough. How did you, how do you both stand up to that? You know, and for myself, it's like I put it off for a long time because I'm working and that was a priority for me. And so now if I wanted to try to do it, it's late. But I still can if I choose to do that. But I also feel like I'm very confident and happy in the place that I am in life. But just because you're in a relationship doesn't mean that you're whole. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think people think that in order for you to be whole, you have to be married. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Now, AC, uh, let's talk about you for a second and mentorship. So we talk about the importance of mentors. Have you had mentors to get to where you got to at Unilever? I have. I have had tons of mentors. And I even like to think beyond mentors. Mentors are people you get 
insight from mm -hmm. that kind of show you the ropes, but I've really benefited from sponsors who are people that have said, I want you in this job and I'm gonna make it happen. Wow. So one of my first big jobs, um, a company that I worked for and retired from after 25 years, uh, the big job was to be a general manager and there had never been a black woman as a general manager. One of my sponsors said before I was a general manager, maybe three or four years before, AC, I think you're talented and I want you to be one of my general managers. So before you do that, I want you to go do this one job. And sure enough, three or four years later, she plucked me, even before I thought I was ready. <laughs> you know, before I was ready, I was um, the marketing director for CoverGirl and running a bunch of makeup brands, having a blast. And she plucked me to be a general manager in another business. And I thought, oh, I love what I'm doing. I'm not ready. And she was like, Missy, I said, this is for you. So I've had mentors, but really what's made a difference for me are sponsors who mm -hmm. believed in me when no one else necessarily would pull up a black woman for a big role. And because she believed in me, it carried so much weight and helped me be, success, be successful. You know, studies have shown that women and or people of color are typically over-mentored and under-sponsored. Okay. So AC is absolutely correct. We, we don't need mentors. We need individuals in the room who can make decisions, who are influential, who are powerful, who can make it happen for us. Now, Envy, have you ever had a, a sponsor? I haven't had a mentor. I don't or think sponsor. I've ever had a. <laughs> no, I haven't had a mentor or a sponsor. Well, you never had. Well, DJ Clue was kind of your mentor. Well, Clue wasn't my mentor. He just he kind of just told me about DJing, but he didn't guide me <laughs> and show me. This is DJ. You take no, two. No, records. Yeah, that's what he basically said. He was like, "I DJ," and he, you know, but I, I didn't have a mentor. Um, I kind of figured it out on my own. Um, luckily, I'm 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 one of those hard workers. Um, and I definitely didn't have a sponsor. In real estate, I have a mentor now that, that shows me and guides me when it comes to things. But when it came to this industry, nobody nobody mentored me. Do we need to be more proactive in asking for mentorship or sponsorship? Or are we supposed to be approaching people and saying, hey, I really... It's a mix. It's a sponsorship yeah. is hard. And, mm -hmm. you know, Michelle, yeah. my dear friend Michelle, <laughs> is an expert on this and what she does. But you have to find out what works for you. I find that for me, you have to earn it but you need the exposure to earn it because we're not always in the room. And so um, I've found I've gotten sponsors from people who I've worked directly for so they know me and so they feel confident that I can do the next job. The same time, if we just leave it to chance, right. <laughs> it may not happen. So some companies have official programs where they have sponsorship and mentor programs that cultivate relationships so someone can structurally get to know you and put you in a position. The other thing I would say is I believe we have an obligation to be sponsors and mentors mm -hmm. because we have to create critical mass. So it starts that there are a few of us, but we have to bring people along and be committed to putting them, you know, other women of color, or other women or other people of color in big important jobs. So you could mentor someone else. Oh, I do. I definitely. I have a, mm -hmm. I have a, a bunch of people that I mentor, young DJs. And, and actually, I have this, um, her name is Mercedes Walker. Uh, she was actually a basketball coach. And um, she was the coach. Remember when me and Chris Rock got into it? She was uh, the other coach on the other oh, team. Oh, yeah, he was beefing with Chris me Rock. Me and Chris Rock had a little Chris thing. Rock, his, basketball game. his daughter and my daughter go to compete in school. So <laughs> okay. I was coaching. Um you know, we was talking and we became good friends and I just seen just how much intellect she had, how smart she was, the things that she did. And I seen something that she was doing and I think she could take it to a bigger place if she had if she needed the help. So I brought her into my company 
And I guess you could call her a sponsor because I pay her. But um, That's a sponsor. That is a sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I brought her into my company. And what she's been able to do for my company in the last, like, four months has been, like, wow. just ridiculous. Let's talk about negotiating salaries because that is something that I always stress that black women need to do more. A lot mm-hmm. of times we get offered, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, what our pay is going to be and we just accept it. And we say, okay, we'll <laughs> accept the offer. Or we don't go in and negotiate for a raise. So what are some advice that you can give when it comes to that? Because that's something that I personally have had to experience and do. I would strongly encourage uh, everyone to go into these conversations well-informed. Do your homework beforehand. There's Glassdoor.com and other websites and resources out there that can give you the range uh, in terms of the industry and the work that you're going to be doing. I'd also say um, talk to someone in human resources. I have friends in my ecosystem who I will call to say, this is the the uh, offer that I just received, what do you think? This is where mentors and sponsors come into play because I will run things by them uh, as well. And then lastly, it's not just about dollars and cents. It's the full package. So when you're negotiating the deal, there are other things that you can also look for, like you know, fringe benefits, you know, uh, paid time off, um, working from home. I right. mean, so all of those things that don't necessarily have a value associated to them, they do have value in terms of the overarching and more comprehensive uh, um, you know, uh, position that you're you're. Uh, Should people for. discuss salaries with each other? It happens in the workplace, at least in, in mine, uh, often. Um, I think we should. To I be think we with should. You. I think it's um, used against us because we don't. There's a few things um, in addition to what Michelle said that I would ask. Always be willing to walk away. Yeah. Mm. And so yeah. that's one of the things that holds power over us. Is, you know, I have my mother in the back of my head saying, you know, you better be grateful for that good job. Right. Right. So you don't want to risk that job. Mm -hmm. But being willing to walk away will help you know your worth and get paid for your worth. Mm -hmm. That's right. And then the other thing is not make it taboo because Mm -hmm. the workplace will say, don't talk about salary. And these are all the rules. But people that don't look like us are talking and they are more informed. And so we've got to break the taboo because we think sometimes it says something about us. or We might be bragging. I think we need to move past that and establish a circle, just as Michelle is saying, of the right resources so that we can calibrate. And, we, you know, the stats show that we are paid, what, 64 cents on the dollar? Not um, 77. So, yeah. and so it's, it's bad. So right. when we start talking, we get informed like, oh, really? So I do think we should talk. Right. Well, I appreciate the, you guys so much for coming through. You ladies, yeah, how can so people much get in for touch coming through for guys. Women's History Month because this was amazing. Yeah, how can they get in touch with you guys if they want to get in touch with you guys? Well, I'm on Instagram at E.E. Bracy. Mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Michelle Gadsden Williams. Instagram, Stacey Tisdale, 1120. Yeah. Thank, you. Thank you so much Thank for having us. We appreciate the work you ladies do so much, and I Absolutely. know this will be helpful and inspirational to so many people who are watching and listening. All right, when we come back, we got the positive note. Don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Now, you guys have a great day today. Charlamagne, you got a positive note? Yes, sir. Uh, sometimes the people around you won't understand your journey. They don't need to. It's not for them. Breakfast club, bitches! Are y'all finished or y'all done?